Thank you so much, Bhaktivedanta Goswami Maharaj. You've, you're very kind. I appreciate your inviting me to join uh, the, this Sangha. And I hope I will, I hope I can live up at least to some extent to your uh, introduction. <laughs> That's uh, maybe a bit of a challenge, but. I I look forward to <laughs> So thank you. So I will begin. Uh I've made some some notes uh for the for this time and uh I'll be referring to them. First let us offer prayers. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Sarasvate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyade Shatarine Mancha Kalpatrubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavi Bhyo Namo. He Krishna Karana Sindhu, Dina Bando Jagatpate, Gopesha Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namostate. Tapta Kanchana Gorangi, Radhe Vrindavaneshvari, Rishabhanu Sute Devi, Pranamami Haripri Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Jiva Sadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare So again, I'm grateful for this opportunity to share some ideas with you on this subject of Pancharatrika Vidhi and Bhagavata Vidhi and the relationship between the two. And of course, we're uh, focusing on Srila Prabhupada's teachings, uh, how he has presented these two uh, themes in his writings, in his conversations. He has uh, written and said a lot on these subjects, so obviously uh, we have to be selective and try to get the essential points that he is making. I have myself thought a fair amount on the subject over the years um, from when I started um, being engaged in deity worship. That was in Germany. Aside from being a temple devotee and uh, experiencing deity worship from outside the deity room, I was invited to... Uh, serve as a pujari in 1975 and uh, really f 
from that time or before, I I had a kind of inquisitiveness. What is this all about? What are we actually doing? Uh, what what do these rituals mean, and so on? So I'll I'll give some overview from Prabhupada's statements. I'll say something also from my own observations, reflections. Uh, I also wrote, in addition to the book, uh, the manual that uh, Bhaktivigyan Maharaj mentioned. I've also written a book, which uh, was basically my doctoral thesis on the topic of deity worship in our tradition. Uh, so one or two points from that book also. Uh, and then we can take some questions. Um, I may need to be reminded if I get carried away <laughs> to stop so that we can take questions. I'm going to uh, go through some points that Prabhupada made thematically and uh, we'll do this beginning with uh, the theme of adhikara, or qualification, uh, for engaging in service, especially in relation to Pancharatra. Then the subject of rules versus raga, or Prabhupada often uh, translated raga as spontaneous service. Then the idea of Parallel tracks, the idea of Pancharatra and uh, Bhagavata Vidhi, or also the word Marga comes up, the path, uh, the complementarity of them, how they may support each other. And then we may speak something more on what is Pancharatra uh, and well, what constitutes Bhagavat Vidhi or Bhagavat Marga? If there's time, we may discuss something about principles versus details, because when it comes to uh, specific questions in deity worship, I would say this is the first question behind whatever question comes to ask. What is the principle and what is the detail? Before we go into Prabhupada's uh, specific statements, a little history before Srila Prabhupada, uh, from as far as I was able to determine from my research, it is Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur who introduced uh, the expression Bhagavata Marga and Pancharatra Marga. I may be corrected, perhaps um, this uh, combination of Marga with these two terms, perhaps that is to be found uh, earlier, but I was not able to find. In any case, uh, the second of these, Pancharatra Marga, is also referred by Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur as Archana Marga. And this appears specifically in uh, the book or booklet which he put together, I presume, 
after, but possibly before, he participated in a public debate. In any case, uh, this happened in 1911, and the book is called Brahmana O Vaishnava, Brahmana and Vaishnava, in which this was the topic of the debate. What is the relationship of the two? And famously, Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur established that the Vaishnava is superior to the Brahmana and is automatically a Brahmana. Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur emphasizes the superiority of Bhagavata Marga over Pancharatrika Marga. Um, and more specifically, and this was, we have to say, also innovative of him, he prioritized Shiksha over Diksha, and indeed Shiksha Parampara over Diksha Parampara. So in terms of uh, Guru Varga, the line of gurus, he prioritized Shiksha over Diksha. This was a radical departure uh, from earlier tradition, which was emphasizing the opposite. Uh, but it's a little more complicated than this. Uh, it's not that he said that only Bhagavata Marga is important, and you can just forget forget about Pancharatrika. Rather, <clears throat> he also strongly emphasized uh, the book of that was compiled by Srila Sanatan Goswami, possibly with the help of Srila Gopal Bhatta Goswami, the Hari Bhakti Vilasa. He spoke very strongly in one uh, statement. He said, uh, this book is uh, important, otherwise there will be a falling in the jugglery of the selfish non-devotees. Fartanda avaishnavaganer kuhake padiya. So he, he saw the Hari Bhakti Vilasa as our guidebook for the practice of Pancharatra. And again, if there's more time, we might say something more about this book, but uh, we'll see how the time goes. As far as I can understand, and again, this may be corrected, but it seems to me that what is being called Bhagavata Marga, well, let's start the other way around. What is, what is being called Pancharatrika Marga can be associated with or identified largely with what Srila Rupa Goswami refers to as Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti. And similarly, Bhagavata Marga seems to at least roughly be uh, parallel to or perhaps identical with uh, Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti. And I think it's important to remember or be reminded that both of these uh, margas and both of these uh, sadhanas are indeed sadhana. They are practices. 
It's not that it's Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti and then it's Raga Nuga Bhakti without Sadhana, but rather it's Raga Nuga Sadhana Bhakti. So Bhagavata Marga is also a, a, a process, a, a Marga. So I think it's helpful to keep this in mind, and this connects then uh, this this terminology uh, with the entire Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu of Srila Rupa Goswami, uh, as well, of course, as Srila Prabhupada's um, summary study, The Nectar of Devotion. So that's all by way of a very brief background, and I think we can jump right into... Uh, some of the statements of Srila Prabhupada that I want to uh, register. I was I was helped in assembling uh, by my assistant Mandali Devi Dasi. I want to express my thanks to her, uh, Mandali from Croatia. Uh, she collected much more than what I'm presenting here. Um, so we'll start with a purport uh, from the third canto on this theme of adhikar for engaging in service. Prabhupada says, whether one has acquired the qualifications of a brahmana depends on the judgment of the bona fide spiritual master. Um, and this ties in, of course, with Pancharatra, and most of what we have here in regard to Pancharatra is, um, or what we have with respect to Adhikar is, has to do with Pancharatra. Uh, this is significant because this is where we get the understanding, let's say the formal dimension of the understanding that qualification is not according to birth. Rather, qualification is uh, recognized in particular within the Pancharatra system by the guru. The guru sees, here is someone who is qualified, and then the guru will give initiation, um, by which uh, the disciple is facilitated for becoming further qualified. Um, yeah, Prabhupada mentions in that quote, uh, this is under the Pancharatrika, what he calls system. And then he is a dvija, a twice-born. Uh, I'm just going to sort of move quickly through these because one could comment on each one, but I think um, it, it's maybe... Better if I go more or less straight through them, then we can backtrack uh, because I do want to keep uh, conscious of the time. We have uh, a purport from Fourth Canto, and uh, he says, If anyone displays the signs of understanding Krishna consciousness, he should be accepted according to Vaishnav Smriti regulations 
as a prospective brahmana and should be given all facilities to achieve the highest perfection. Now, Vaishnava smriti, uh, the word smriti here is indicating specifically, according to Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur, Vaishnava smriti means for Gaudiya Vaishnavas uh, the regula- <coughs> regulations that are given in Hari Bhakti Vilasa. From smriti, we get the word smarta. And this is a point of confusion for us uh, generally because we understand smarta in a negative sense. Oh, the smarta Brahmins. Well, uh, the smarta Brahmins are Brahmins who follow smriti. And we speak of them generally negatively because they're following all sorts of smriti, not only Vaishnava smriti. They're following usually uh, the worship of five divinities, uh, whereas Vaishnavas are focused completely on the worship of Vishnu. Otherwise, uh, we, can ref- we could refer to a Vaishnava uh, Brahman as a Vaishnava Smarta Brahmana, <laughs> as one who follows Vaishnava Smriti. Anyway, just a little about terminology. Okay, um, again from fourth canto, without serving Krishna according to the Vidhi Marga, regulative principles of Pancharatrika Vidhi, unscrupulous persons want to jump immediately to the Raga Marga principles. Such persons are called Sahajiya. And there's another term which uh, is very negatively valenced in our tradition, sahajiya. Uh, but I wanted to point to um, two things. Uh, pr- here Prabhupada uses the term vidhi marga. Uh, vidhi, of course, just means rules. Um, and raga Raga Marga. Um, so he's kind of giving a short, short terminology for Pancharatriki Vidhi uh, Marga, and we may say Bhagavata or Raga Marga. So we see there this kind of interchange, interchangeability of some of the terminology. And he's warning here against jumping um, immediately into the Raga or Bhagavata Marga without proper uh, practice of regulative principles. Again, in the fourth canto, Srila Prabhupada quotes uh, a verse quoted by Srila Sanatana Goswami, Yata kanchanatam yati kangsyam rasavidhanata. Tata diksha vidhane na dvijatvam jayate rinam. As bell metal, when mixed with mercury, is transformed to gold, 
A person, even though not golden pure, can be transformed into a brahmana or dvija simply by the initiation process. So this is giving an analogy, an interesting analogy, because uh, we might all be curious to know just how it could work, transform bell, bell metal with the help of mercury into gold, if we could do it. We might be eager to try it, but the point is uh, there is a transformation that happens. Similarly, there is a transformation uh, that takes place by diksha, diksha vidhi, by the process of initiation. Uh, and this transformation is then uh, giving adhikar for uh, that person to engage in the worship of the Lord, specifically in the form of the deity, um, and the deity in the form of mantras. So, mm, mantra and murti are going very much together. Narada Muni speaks of this in first canto, mantra murtim amurtikam. Uh, again, still discussing Adhikar, um, our, our situation, our common situation of being uh, tempor temporally within the age of Kali puts us at a disadvantage. Um, Srila Prabhupada quotes from Srimadvacharya, commenting on the Mundaka Upanishad, uh, which is from, quoting again, he's quoting from Narayana Samhita, Dvapariyar Janair Vishnu, Pancharatrais tu Kevalai, Kalo tu Namamatrena Pujyate Bhagavan Hari. In Dvapara Yuga, one could satisfy Krishna or Vishnu only by worshipping him gorgeously according to Pancharatriki system. But in the age of Kali, one can satisfy and worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead Hari simply by chanting the holy name, Nama Matrena. Now that's interesting because at this point we may want to say, but wait, wait, we just heard that we first have to practice vidhi, uh, and, now, and otherwise we cannot jump to raga. So what's going on here? Well, I'll, I'll leave that open for now um, because we have another quote from Jiva Goswami coming up. Still with Adhikar is uh, the issue of who is qualified to initiate, and so we have this famous verse from Madhyalila Chaitanya Charitamrita, chapter 8. Kiba vipra kipa nyasi shudra kene noi je krishna tattva she guru hoi a person may be a brahmana, a sannyasi, a shudra, or whatever. But if he is well conversant in the science of Krishna, he 
or I'd like to add, she <laughs> can become a guru. <clears throat> um, and an interesting reference in the further explanation, according to Madhavendra Puri, um, sorry, according to Pancharatra injunction, only a householder brahmana can initiate, others cannot. And that's the understanding that you will find uh, with the, uh, for example, the Radharaman priests, the Radharaman Goswamis, as their family happen, family name happens to be, Goswami, uh, they say only householders can initiate. Um, another interesting topic that could be explored with time. Then the issue of shudras and women being qualified by Pancharatrika initiation. I'll jump straight to the translation. In a purport from Madhyalila, chapter 24, uh, shudras and women who are chaste and sincerely interested in understanding the absolute truth are qualified to be initiated with the Pancharatrika mantras. So that's quite explicit. Um, yoshitam api, even... <laughs> even women. This is addressing a, a, a culture, a society in which uh, this would have been questioned, and therefore it's emphasizing, yes, even women. Yoshitamapi. Sadvi nam. Uh, adhikara, they have qualification. Shudradi nam cha. Satyam. Uh, and then Prabhupada quotes from Bhagavad Gita, Mam hi parta vyapasritya, vyu apayonaya. Our next theme is rules, vidhi, versus raga, or spontaneous service. And you may notice already that um, <laughs> uh, the categories are not Absolute, there's overlap in things which are being discussed. Again, fourth canto, eighth chapter, and this, um, the context here is Narada speaking with Daksha, uh, not Daksha, with, uh, not Daksha, but, um, who do I want to say? Uh, with Dhruva. He's speaking with Dhruva and uh, he is instructing him how to engage in archana. Prabhupada says, the archana marga or the devotional path described in Pancharatra system of devotional service for worshipping the deity in the temple makes the devotee think constantly of the Lord, that is samadhi, or trance. I personally find this a very fascinating statement, which uh, I think points to the connection between vidhi and raga. Vidhi leads to raga, because what is samadhi? Samadhi is absorption, or trance, 
how can there be absorption unless one is mm, unless there is raga or raga literally of course means something like attachment or strong feeling and then Prabhupada goes on to say one who practices in this way excuse me cannot deviate from the service of the Lord and that makes him perfect in the mission of human life. So Prabhupada is emphasizing the power of Pancharatra uh, as bringing about, facilitating, making, leading to perfection. So I, I find it helpful to think of Pancharatra uh, and Bhagavata. One, one way of understanding Pancharatra and Bhagavata as a continuum. We're kind of starting with rules, and we're from day one of starting with rules. <laughs> uh, there's some element of bha- Bhagavata mark. Uh, I mentioned the context. Narda is uh, referred to, incidentally, as a Mahabhagavata uh, in the fourth canto, chapter 13. And it is he who is speaking specifically, um, what he's speaking about is referred to as Pancharatra. And this is significant because uh, Narada is very prominent in the Bhagavatam. Prabhupada almost, uh, not very much, when Prabhupada refers to Pancharatra literature, he'll refer to it as Narada Pancharatra. And there can be some confusion about that as well. We may come back to that. Um, <clears throat> The point being that Narada is considered uh, one of, if not the principal, Pancharatrika Acharya. But he's referred to as a Mahabhagavata at the same time. Uh, and so the, the Bhagavatam itself is combined, Bhagavata Marga or Bhagavata Vidhi and Pancharatrika Vidhi. And Prabhupada indicates this in one reference, which I don't think I included here, where he says uh, the Bhagavatam is referred to as Sattvata Samhita. And that's hinting at, uh, at it being belonging to the genre of Bhagavata, sorry, of Pancharatra literature. Um, <clears throat> Okay, this quote in 4th Canto, chapter 24, I found interesting. He's giving the basic definition um, of Pancharatrika Vidhi is Vidhi Marga, Bhagavata Vidhi is called Raga Marga. So there he's being very explicit on the connections of these terms. And then he says, the principles of Raga Marga are especially meant for devotees who are elevated to the Vrindavan 
platform, Vrindavan platform. Um, and I think we can safely say what he's meaning there in relation, sort of jumping back to Pancharatrika, Prabhupada says, we worship the deities, Radha and Krishna, in the mood of Lakshmi Narayana. That's Pancharatra. But when one comes to Ragamarga, then one is no longer worshipping Lakshmi Narayana. One is worshipping Radha Krishna. That's the Vrindavan platform. But from day one, Srila <laughs> Prabhupada has given us Radha Krishna deities. Uh, so, okay, now, the importance of following Shastra, uh, the famous verse from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Shruti Smriti Puranadi Pancharatra Vidhim Bina Aikantiki Harir Bhaktir Utpatayaiva Kalpate. Um, and he kind of summarizes one must follow the codes of the Puranas and the Pancharatriki Vidhi. One cannot be a pure devotee without following Shruti and Shruti. And conversely, um, the Shruti and Smriti without devotional service cannot lead one to the perfection of life. So how one is doing devotional service in practice is very much about following the procedures of Pancharatra. Okay, then we have this idea of parallel tracks. And uh, I'll jump right to what I've put into bold. Fourth Canto, Chapter 13. The Krishna Consciousness Movement accepts both processes simultaneously and thus enables one to make steady progress on the path of realization of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Again, another, uh, this is a, a, a letter uh, to Raya Ram. One cannot make progress in devotional service unless simultaneously you follow both lines. And there he gives the analogy of the tracks of the railroad line. He says, temple worship is essential for purifying us from material contamination. Now, um, in a letter to Sri Govinda, 1974, Prabhupada specifically identifies book distribution with Bhagavata Marga. Book distribution is Bhagavata Marga and temple worship is Pancharatriki Vidhi. Both are important for cultivating Vaishnavism, but comparatively speaking, Bhagavata Marga is more important than Pancharatrigi. Uh, and elsewhere, Prabhupada says, um, book distribution is primary and deity worship is secondary. 
Uh, I think he said that on an occasion when it was an issue. Um, devotees were saying, well, we can't go on this book distribution because we have to do the deity worship. <laughs> so there was no book distribution going on and or Sankirtan. And Prabhupada said, no, no, no. Um, book distribution, Sankirtan is primary um, and deity worship is secondary. It, but he didn't say, forget the deity worship. He just said it's secondary. So then uh, we go on to Canto 6, and the topic here is Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam as um, being the activities of Bhagavata Vidhi. Um, Again, he talks about Pancharatra in relation to deity worship. And then he says, Bhagavat Marga is simply Shravanam Kirtanam. Out of the nine processes recommended, uh, and he lists uh, four of them, he says, so up to Shravanam Kirtanam Smaranam, that is Bhagavata Marga. That is the best. And Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, that is Pancharatriki, Vidhi. Hmm. Um, then we go to a lecture on Srimad Bhagavatam, and I'm jump jumping to the middle of this reference. Bhagavat Marga will help the Pancharatrika Marga or process, and the Pancharatrika process will help Bhagavata process, both together helpful. So this gives the idea that there's a, they are complementary. Um, one helps the other, uh, and in this way they are a perfect combination. Uh, and then I said previously we would come to a comment from Srila Jiva Goswami, and this is quoted by Srila Prabhupada in Chaitanya Chaitam Rita Madhyalila, uh, chapter 15. And it's a longer quote, um, which I think I won't, won't read the whole thing here, but... Just Prabhupada's comment afterwards. He says, in other words, the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamantra is so powerful that it does not depend on official initiation. But if one is initiated and engages in Pancharatra Vidhi, his Krishna consciousness will awaken very soon. So if we take here the chanting of Mahamantra as Shravanam Kirtanam, as Bhagavata Marga, in effect, Jiva Goswami is saying Pancharatra is not necessary. But that's not the end of the story. Um, Pancharatra is not rejected because it helps. 
and that's what Prabhupada is saying here in the purport. Again, on the other side, in a room conversation in Tehran, he says, the Bhagavata Marga is more important than Pancharatriki. Okay. Then we have the theme of rules leading to raga. And we just have one quote, and I'm just extracting briefly. This is from Nectar of Devotion, lecture that Prabhupada gave in Rindavan, famous series of lectures in October uh, of 1972. He says, um, Vidhi Marga, then gradually, when he becomes accustomed, then Raga Marga will be revealed. Raga Marga is not artificial. It becomes Svayamevas Puratya Adha, Sevan Vado, everything devotional relationship with Krishna, you cannot establish artificially. Um, he talks about Swarupa Siddhi later in this. And then he gives the analogy of a young boy and girl. Naturally, as they mature, they become attracted to each other. Travanadhi Shudha Chitte Koraye Udoi, he also quotes in the context. Okay, uh, next theme. <laughs> Rushing through everything. What is Pancharatra? What constitutes Bhagavata Vidhi or Bhagavata Marga? Well, we have already discussed these to some extent. A bit more, perhaps, um, from the fourth canto, chapter 24, in a purport, Prabhupada says, Lord Narayana is worshipped by the Pancharatrika Vidhi or regulative principles, whereas Lord Krishna is worshipable by the Bhagavata Vidhi. So this... Uh, confirms what we saw before. Um, this is one way of understanding the distinction. And yes, I wanted uh, to clarify a little this uh, expression, Narada Pancharatra. Uh, there's a confusion because there is a book that's been published uh, recently, some years ago, a translation in English, probably by now also in Russian, uh, of a book called Narada Pancharatra. Uh, this is a very late work. Uh, it is not what Prabhupada is referring to by Narada Pancharatra. There are many Pancharatra texts um, uh, traditionally, they speak of 108 such texts. Scholars have uh, identified some 70 of these uh, extant or being available. Mm. Of these, a handful, um, between I would say 5 and 10 uh, texts, are being used actively 
uh, as uh, guides in temples, especially in South India. Uh, there's a Padma Samhita, there's a Jayakya Samhita, there's a Hayashirsha Pancharatra, like that. But Narada Pancharatra, as Prabhupada uses it, seems to be, as far as I can tell, he's simply referring to the the general collection of texts or the general teaching uh, of Pancharatra, not to a specific. Um, Okay, that's kind of a repetition. Principles versus details. Uh, I'm rushing through this. Srila Prabhupada gave, I would say, basically two principles in deity worship. One is cleanliness or purity, and the other uh, is timeliness, being on time. Um, One can expand out of both of these principles so many details especially from uh, purity one could I don't know probably one could find ways to elaborate uh, all the details but uh, those two uh, were uh, very much emphasized by Srila Prabhupada above and beyond everything else and uh, one has the... He, he also emphasized very much uh, first-class decoration and first-class food, boga offerings. Um, yes, ornamentation, um, well, decoration, dressing of deities. Uh, he wanted to be first-class and opulent, and that went along with his idea of uh, worship of in the mood of Lakshmi Narayan. You'll see many temples in Vrindavan where the, the dress of the deities is very simple. Um, quite, quite simple. Nice but simple. And it seems that Prabhupada specifically did not want that. He would have been very familiar with that. He was living in Vrindavan. Um, But he wanted more elaborate dress. That's in itself a big topic. Um, What is Pancharatra? Getting back to that question, it's uh, divided according to some of the Pancharatra texts into five these five categories abhigamana upadanam yoga ijya and svadhyaya specifically in relation to archana uh, there are procedures for preparation preliminary activities um, there is One could say still preliminary, but it's collecting. It has its own category, upadhanam, collecting of the various items for worship. And as we explained uh, in the Pancharatra Pradipa uh, book, uh, 
uh, the manual for ISKCON, which, by the way, is being revised uh, by Nursing and College Prabhu to make it more user-friendly. Mm. When is that book coming out? Uh, I have to say I don't know. As far as I know, it's practically done, but uh, what's holding it up now? Uh, but there we explain that upadanam can also mean uh, collecting um, collecting funds for the purpose of deity worship. So that is one example of how one could connect uh, Pancharatrika with Bhagavata Marga. Uh, we go out, we, we preach, uh, we're active in our mission, we attract people uh, to, to serve the Lord um, with their donations, and so on. That can be considered both Pancharatrika Upadhanam and uh, Bhagavata. Yoga, um, we can say in the more formal sense, uh, begins with procedures that the pujari will do in the morning worship, Bhuta Shuddhi, uh, purification of the elements. This is a kind of meditation which has been very much simplified uh, by our acharyas, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur. Um, there are elaborate procedures uh, and uh, they're interesting but not essential. Ija is the worship, the actual or the physical worship with traditionally and standardly 16 items, 16 upachars, each of which can be expanded further. And so you get from the basic 16 items, you can quickly expand into 64 items and it can even be expanded more than that. And finally, Svadhyaya, uh, the personal meditation. It can also refer to uh, recitation of Shastra, um, possibly traditionally recitation of one's own particular branch of Veda that one was trained uh, to recite. But essentially it's bringing us back again to Bhagavata Marga because it's, it's the Shravanam Kirtanam side of Archanam, if you like. It's, and Jiva Goswami says, all practices of worship should commence with and should conclude w with chanting of the holy name. Okay, then... <clears throat> okay, um, one could say a lot about theology of Pancharatra, and I'm really just going to call attention that in Adi Lila chapter 5, verse 41, Srila Prabhupada, you can read this for yourself, Srila Prabhupada is uh, discuss discussing about uh, the 
Chaturvyuha, expansions of the Lord, and how they are simultaneously uh, same and different uh, from each other and from Narayana. And I just want to point out, this is very much Pancharatra, the idea of there being expansions uh, of Bhagavan, of Narayana. This is Pancharatra. It's the theology of descent, the idea that uh, the Supreme Person, Bhagavan, is accessible uh, and he becomes most accessible in his um, archa murti form. That's about all that I wanted to uh, take from Prabhupada's works. And uh, beyond this, I thought I could say a bit uh, from my book called Attending Krishna's Image, Chaitanya Vaishnava Murti Seva as Devotional Truth. Um, as I think I mentioned, this is based on my doctoral dissertation, which I did at uh, University of Oxford and uh, later published with the Hindu study series of uh, Routledge with our center, the Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. Um, so one sort of br broad theme that I have in this book is that images and texts are, in a sense, inseparable. Um, they, they are complementing each other. They are, the texts are giving meaning to the images and the process of worship of images. Um, if you subtract images from the practice of Vaishnava uh, Krishna Bhakti, that makes no sense. <laughs> Um, and so to see them together uh, is, is essential. So texts are, we can say, informing images, and images are conversely informing um, the texts and are grounding uh, practitioners in concrete sensory experience. In this book, I have focused on two uh, Vaishnava communities, two Vaishnava temples, the Radharaman temple in Vrindavan and Bhaktivedanta Manor outside of London. And I've, I have, uh, I've categorized these, I've characterized them um, in an over- simplification for what we would call heuristic purposes, for teaching purposes. And uh, I'm calling the Radharaman temple an embodied community in contrast to uh, Bhaktivedanta Manor, 
as a missionizing tradition. And these are terms that I've borrowed from one of my professors. Now would be the time if we can, uh, Madan Mohan Prabhu, put up this chart. I made a little chart to try to highlight a, a kind of basic point that I'm making in this, in this book about the relationship between vidhi and raga. And the basic point that I want to make is that vidhi and raga are not two, they're not poles apart from each other. Um, they are not, um, they're not opposites to each other, but rather they are complementing each other and I am trying to show this by putting them on uh, a horizontal and vertical axis. Is it possible to show, Prabhu? Yes, here we have it. Okay. Um, now I think we need to move. Okay. So it's a very simple diagram. I think you can all see uh, with a horizontal line representing vidhi and a vertical line representing raga and a circle representing a field. So the basic idea is that we can think of uh, both vidhi and raga as being more or less. Uh, we may have a minimum of vidhi, and that would put us on the left side of this chart. And uh, we may have a minimum of raga, and that would put us on the lower side of the chart. So that would put us in the lower left quadrant of the combination of vidhi and raga. Uh, and so what you can see is there can be an infinite combination uh, of possibilities. There can be very high concentration on vidhi. I follow all the rules very carefully. Um, but I don't have any feeling for what I do. I have no raga. <laughs> so that would put us in the lower right uh, quadrant of, of this chart. Or we can have high vidhi and high raga, and that would put us in the upper right quadrant. Or we could have low vidhi and high raga, and that would put us in the uh, upper left quadrant. And this is something one can... Um, you can sort of test or, or play with this. You can look at particular situations uh, of practice. You can look, well, you can look at your, your own practice um, in general or in specific situations and see uh, where, you, where this would be located. Um, so it's, it's highly conceptual and it's uh, obviously 
oversimplifying the reality of the three-dimensional, or we might want to say four-dimensional reality of devotional life. But I think it helps to conceptualize uh, what is happening and how it is that, as I've said a couple of times, really from day one, while we're being introduced to rules, we're also being introduced uh, to the feeling, uh, the raga, the uh, attraction to Krishna. Or we can also say, well, when new people come, we don't emphasize rules. We don't say anything about rules because we don't want to scare them away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, We may ask them politely to take off their shoes before they come in the temple, okay? And that's usually not a big problem for most people. Uh, but we don't, you know, we, we don't give them a, a long list of rules that we follow. We introduce slowly, as Srila Prabhupada did. Uh, okay, so that, I think, is a simple enough point, and much of what I'm doing in this book is elaborating with specifics just how uh, there can be different sorts of emphasis uh, within these two temple contexts. On the lower... Uh, part of this chart, I've also discussed uh, two terms from uh, Western terminology, and I won't go into this much here, but uh, I found that this is also helpful. Canon refers to uh, texts specifically, and uh, in other words, the authority of, uh, of Shastra, we may say. And charisma comes from the Greek, and maybe you have the same word in Russian. I don't know. Uh, but we may say it, it's something like attractive power, which is authoritative. And it's usually embodied in persons who may or may not um, be concerned about canon, about Shastra. They may be more, they may be less. They may adjust Shastra. And this is what we see also in our tradition. Uh, there is the charisma of the guru, but I argue in this book that there's also the charisma of the deity, of Krishna, in his deity form. And so the whole project is to... Um, essentially elaborate on the nuances that we find in these two sorts of relationship in order to establish that uh, it is meaningful and appropriate to understand uh, the practice of archana, the worship of the deity in the temple, as serious religion. <laughs> okay. I, I have some further notes uh, I could speak about, but I understand I should stop about now uh, to see if there are any questions. And so that's what I'll stop there. Um, 
we can start. We have already questions. Uh, okay. Uh, yes, Maharaj, uh, can you hear me now? Yes, now I can hear. Yeah, I'm sorry. When I was on the translation channel, yeah, yeah, my microphone was muted for you as a presenter. Yeah, yeah, so I know. No, that's. Now I figured out how to turn my microphone. <laughs> oh, I see lots of comments here. <laughs> yeah, well, the comments were mostly the quotes that I was taking. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. So the bodies could keep track of what we are discussing. Right. Good. Now we have one question, and this question happens to come from Vishnu Prabhu, who is the Minister of Deity Worship for Iskon Russia. Oh, yeah. A representative of the Ministry of uh, Deity Worship, and he also happens to be the head pujari of our main temple, Moscow Temple. Uh -huh. He's been serving steadily for the last 30, 30 years. Oh. And his wife, Matashidvani. So his question is Some Shri Prabhupada's disciples say that during Prabhupada's times, Deity Worship was much simpler mm -hmm. than it is now. Was a simple Achaman with less uh, pure mantras, and they say that complicate uh, that overcome overcome uh, complexities uh, um, of the of the worship. Now they scare the devotees away from Archana. Yeah, extreme complexities. Could you please say or comment or elaborate upon the topic, especially how these complexities, as opposed to simple standard that Prabhupada introduced came into practice and what was the need for such uh, elaborations on deity worship which seemed to depart from what Prabhupada used to teach. And <laughs> I shall repeat the question in Russian also for the benefit of our Russian yes. audience and then for that I'll have to turn my uh, yeah. translation mode again and we won't hear anything. And then you have to signal when you're finished with the question <laughs> so I can start replying. Okay, um, yeah, in terms of history, ISKCON history, um, Prabhupada introduced very simple worship, um, I would say for two reasons. One, because uh, he wanted to emphasize, uh, because he wanted to emphasize raga over vidhi. Um, the, the other reason, because he didn't want to scare anyone away, <laughs> uh, he said in one discussion about Hari Bhaktivilasa, he said, if I told you all the rules and regulations, you would faint. Um, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to only introduce the simple. Um, but I think we also have to see this as part of uh, a longer trajectory, which Srila Prabhupada himself uh, showed toward the end of his personal presence. I believe it was 1975, sorry, 1976, that Srila Prabhupada commissioned Jayatirtha Prabhu and uh, Jai Sachinandan Prabhu, a, a native Bengali, to compile a new deity worship book, uh, which uh, would be based on the small booklets of the Gaudiyamat, the Archanapadatis. As we know, the Gaudiyamat, um, we say in the singular, but there's so many different 
there were so many different groups, and several of them published their own uh, guide, sort of a daily, all of them very small booklets uh, for deity worship, uh, generally called Archanapaddati, uh, just means like a, a guide procedure. Paddati means like a procedure for Archana. So they did that, uh, and that book uh, became, what was it called? We used to call it the White Book. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a procedure for deity worship. So that was introduced by Srila Prabhupada, and that was considerably more, that was introducing considerably more complexity um, than was in Srila Prabhupada's initial teaching. But Prabhupada had introduced, I mean, he had requested that that be done. Um, over time, it was found that that book was somewhat not so user-friendly, and there were some confusions about it, and so the, uh, the GBC then commissioned a committee in which I became a member and then I became the coordinator uh, to compile a book uh, which would clarify and which would uh, be servicing all of ISKCON. And in the process of preparing that book, uh, especially His Holiness Banu Swami translated uh, quite extensively, extracting from Hari Bhakti Vilasa, but also from other texts, from uh, other ritual texts that he found, Pancharatrika texts, the reason being that Hari Bhakti Vilasa, as detailed as it is in many things, in certain things, gives absolutely no detail. So, for example, Arti, in Hari Bhakti Vilasa, it will simply say, now do arti. Now offer a lamp. <laughs> and, and that's all. That's all it will say. Um, and we may say, but how do you offer a lamp? <laughs> well, traditionally, you learn that from your guru. So there was no need to write that down. Um, and of course, Prabhupada did teach us. He showed us. He I personally uh, was um, there when Srila Prabhupada did the first RT for Radha Paris Ishvara in Paris, and I was standing fairly close to him. As I, and I watched very carefully as Prabhupada uh, offered the RT. Um, so complexity, as you say, can be a problem. It can scare devotees away, and we certainly don't want that. And therefore, in the Pancharatra Pradipa, we attempted to uh, show options. And we did this because we understood two things. One is we're dealing with a worldwide institution. We're dealing with different sizes of temples. 
some of them with uh, very full deity worship, some with very simple uh, altar, and maybe one person who is a part-time pujari. And um, we also understood that uh, the uh, congregation is expanding and people want to know how to worship the Lord at home. And so what we did was um, show different levels, if you like, different degrees of complexity, but we tried to make it clear it's not that one of these is more advanced than another. In fact, it can be the opposite, that worship can be very simple in terms of actual ritual, but it may be very advanced because the devotee is he's in samadhi. <laughs> he's absorbed in what he's doing. Um, and so what we also recommend for temples is to establish each temple based on uh, on the Pancharatravadi, but nonetheless um, specifically designed, tailor-made for your temple, establish your own standards and put that into a written form. And these may be very simple standards, uh, so that, indeed, everyone can be involved in the worship. And at the same time, we wanted to uh, make understood there may be a particular devotee who really, he feels or she feels inspired to chant lots of mantras uh, while doing the worship. Well, um, why should we forbid that devotee from doing so? It doesn't thereby become a requirement that all the other pujaris have to uh, do the same thing. And similarly, with, uh, with boga offerings, a, a, a cook may feel inspired one day. I, you know, there's, there's more vegetables in the kitchen than we usually have. Okay, today, instead of making two subjis for the midday RT uh, offering, we're going to make three or we're going to make four. And sometimes the, you know, the pujari sees that and, and screams, oh no, you can't do this because if you do, then that becomes our standard for the rest of eternity. No. No, you have your minimum standard um, and that's written down, but there can be something additional. And basically, whatever is additional, you can consider to be uh, a kind of uh, mm, an aspect of utsava, of festival. Because this distinction is very much there in Pancharatra. There's daily worship and there's festival worship. But festival, any day can be a festival. There can be, a, a, <laughs> there's any number of reasons to celebrate. <laughs> so, I hope that is helpful, clarifying.
Yes, Maharaj, thank you so much. And next question is, uh, is uh, from Antakela Prabhu. He's a leader in, uh, in East Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And uh, his question is, how, do we, how can we help those who um, emphasize chanting over Archana and neglect those who neglect Archana, how can we help these people who, you could say, uh, overemphasize chanting and neglect Archana? Um, how to help? One aspect of Archana is um, what I've observed when I was doing my research on the Radharaman temple in Vrindavan. Uh, one element that I found is what we may call transcendental entertainment. Uh, first of all, the, the, the mood they have there is very much that we are, uh, we, the priests, and everyone, the guests, the musicians, we're all coming to please the Lord, and that includes entertaining the Lord. But also the Lord's uh, appearing, the, the pujaris, the priests, see themselves as having a duty to make interesting uh, the deity worship so that people will be attracted to come and see. And there's even a bit of a sense of competition among pujaris uh, in the Radharaman temple between families. They have a system. They rotate families uh, doing the worship for periods of days or weeks. And with some of them, they, they get inspired, oh, my period of worship is coming up two months from now. We're going to really do it up in a big way. And so uh, they will uh, sort of gather together all their supporters and uh, they'll, they'll really, they'll make, you know, very elaborate uh, decorations and so on. Um, one of the duties of the priest is to mediate between the deity and the, uh, the devotee visiting the temple. And here I'm speaking of not, not, just, devote, not just people visiting, but also devotees uh, engaged in the mission. Uh, the priest's duty is to help um, help other devotees to connect with the deity. That can be in many different ways. It can, it can be just by their friendly character. It can be by their sweetly inviting uh, a devotee, inspiring them to do some service, uh, practical service for the deity. It can be in the form of preaching about uh, the the value of the deity. It can be about just sharing his or her own experience and feeling uplifted by serving the deity. Um, like that, so many different ways. Now, the devotee who wants to completely emphasize chanting the holy name um, over deity worship, on one side we may say, well, 
we can respect that because that is our um that's the teaching we we referred to that Prabhupada said something to that effect and someone may want to quote that but you may want to come back and show that actually yes and uh, there is complementarity and finally i would say the devotee who is genu- genuinely advanced in chanting the holy name will also become genuinely attracted to the deity and therefore will be genuinely inclined or naturally inclined to serve the deity uh, the the six goswamis uh, they each had their own temple because they wanted to do worship. And Gopal Bhatta Goswami in particular, famously, Radharaman appeared to him because, because of his uh, intense desire to serve the deity form. Yes, Maharaj, thank you very much. Another question is, we can see uh, that in India, Iskon temples do not allow ladies to worship the deities publicly. And some temples in Russia and Ukraine are trying to take clue from them, and they don't let or don't allow ladies to worship the Lord publicly, for instance, during a festival of Abhisheka. How... This sounds like what we call a loaded question. Maharaj, <laughs> I'll have to translate. Yeah. Okay, so um, here I have to just speak from my opinion, uh, which is that in India, um, what's going on is a certain um, acknowledgement of cultural conditions um, which Srila Prabhupada wanted to honor. Uh, we've seen this in a few ways that he uh, did things and said and directed devotees in India and, all, and more specifically in Vrindavan. Uh, and so it's very possible that uh, Prabhupada said, here in India, only men on the altar, at least for public uh services. Um, in Germany, um, for several years, our head pujari was so much inspired by the Radharaman temple. One of the things, he wanted to emulate the mood of the Radharaman temple, and one of the things he wanted to do, therefore, was to have only men 
on the altar, and not just for public, but all the time, only men. And so that was the standard for many years. Um, and, um, but it, after some years, that standard changed. And I don't think that's a problem personally. I think it's very nice that uh, many ladies now are engaged in the worship in the, the two main German temples. Um, and they are very happily engaged, and um, it's just, it's not a problem. So why should they be restricted? Uh, I see a lot of possible unwanted uh, side effects if you exclude women from the altar. Um, I would want to hear what the arguments for excluding them from the altar would be. And maybe I could be convinced otherwise, but uh, I I think the uh, the I think it would go. I think it would work against the mission. Our mission is to spread Christian consciousness as far and widely as possible to attract as many people as possible, and I think that. Every restriction that we make uh, for women makes people in the Western world, and I guess we can include Russia in this, uh, question, why are you making this restriction for women? And, it's, uh, and whatever answers we may give, it, the bottom line for many people is, well, then that's not for me. I can't be part of an institution where they're making this kind of discrimination. I would say. Now, if we want to take it as an argument that, uh, well, women have their uh, monthly periods during which time they are impure and therefore they can't go on the... That's, that's all right, but that's just for a certain number of days. Um, does that make women uh, permanently permanently less pure than men? You know, you get into some real problematic questions with things like that. But again, I would want to hear what the arguments are. If it's simply to imitate India, uh, then... That brings up another question for me, and that is, what is your understanding of Krishna conscious culture? Do you think that Indian culture is Krishna conscious culture? I don't think so. Um, I think Krishna conscious culture is, um, it may have certain aspects which are f observed in India today, but there's a lot that is neglected in India today and is becoming more and more neglected. The number of, or the percentage of people in India who are vegetarian today has gone down, the estimate is, to 18%, less than 20%. Are we going to imitate that? Um, you know. <laughs> okay. I'll stop there. <laughs> Don't get me started.
Yes, Maharaj, thank you very much for that. Did you say that uh, the number of vegetarians dropped to 18% or 20% or dropped by 18 or 20%? No, it, it has dropped to 18%, yeah. Uh-huh. So I will, I will correct myself. Uh, so next question is... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the clock um, because I also have another meeting right after this one. Um, can we just take one more question? Yes, Maharaj. We'll take a question from Rajendra Kumarpuru. Mm-hmm. His question was, can we say that the first initiation is, is uh, initiation into Bhagavata Mark, and second is, uh, is the initiation into Pancharati Kumarpuru? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I have another question, which is uh, uh-huh. a separate question about whether oh, we should, uh, whether Gornitai uh, Dittis worship Timur Gaudi not because they seem to worship Radha Krishna and only Mahaprabhu without Nityananda. But that's a separate question. But if you have a brief answer to that, okay. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you want to translate the questions first or I can go ahead? Okay. Um, it's an interesting question and I think Uh, The short answer would be yes. In effect, we're being introduced with first initiation um, because it is Harinama to uh, Bhagavata Marga, which we understand is in in important ways more important than Pancharatra. And that the second initiation is introducing us into Pancharatrika Marga um, Pancharatriga Vidhi, because in that second initiation we're receiving Pancharatrika mantras um, along with one Vedic mantra, the, the Brahma Gayatri mantra. Uh, and so, in that sense, yes, we're being uh, given the highest in the beginning, and then we're given with second initiation a support to that highest uh, through Pancharatra. We're given... At the same time, of course, we're following so much of Pancharatra long before we're doing... before receiving the second initiation. Um, The fact that we are uh, following a regulated life, the fact that we uh, take part in arati, uh, that we are having darshan of the deity. We may be helping in preparing uh, the boga for the food offerings and so on. All of this, we can say, are introducing us, bringing us into Pancharatra. So in that way, it's not a absolute uh, distinction between the two. As for Gornitai and... Godiamat. Um, I don't know enough. I haven't done enough traveling and visiting of temples uh, to say definitively, but from my experience, it's true that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur uh, wanted to emphasize that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Radha Krishna Nahe Anya. He is non different from. 
Radha Krishna, and therefore he had this configuration of Radha Krishna and Goranga Mahaprabhu. Um, there are Gornitai temples in Bengal, both in West Bengal and East Bengal, or Bangladesh, and, um, and well, come to think of it, isn't there one at Champak, uh, Champahati? I don't remember now. I think it's Champa. I think it's a Gornitai temple. Anyway, um, there are Gornitai deities, and so why did Prabhupada emphasize Gornitai? I I understand he wanted to emphasize the uh, the combination of the two Mahaprabhu Nityananda Prabhu in their preaching, um, and Nityananda Prabhu in particular is preaching to uh, the most fallen um, of he's known to have uh, converted um, persons outcasts. Um, Buddhists and all such. And so, yeah, the combination of Gornitai is, is, uh, is showing uh, this preaching mission. It's embod- they together are embodying the preaching mission to every town and village, I would put it like. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Krishna Shatra Maharaj. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sharing with, with us your wisdom, steeped in your decades of dedicated service to Shri Prabhupada Mission. It's such a privilege and fortune for us to be able to hear from you. Because, <laughs> well, complete with experience, are worth thousands of books. You call it as Dr. Yamaharaj said. We do look forward to being able, being allowed to invite you again to join us for some classes that you might find personally inspiring. Thank you. Well, it's been my pleasure and my my privilege. I think it's wonderful uh, this initiative you're doing of Bhaktivedanta University, and I'm I wish you all the best for its development. Thank you very much, Maharaj. We just want to invite what you have learned from Shukrupada and preserve it and pass it down so it's never lost. You and your blood brothers. So please bless us in our in our efforts to serve you. All the best. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Now we'll uh, gather with devotees. We'll break.